Is the sport of boxing in trouble? This is the first ever Cornerman, and we have some aficionados in the sport. So let's get into it this time on The Cornerman. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the first ever installment of The Cornerman, your boxing-specific podcast related to the INC sports paradigm or the Iceman and Coach main show, Offspring. This is the Iceman, Matt Freights. The coach is not here because the coach does not do boxing. However, we are here because I have two gentlemen who are aficionados in the sport who are here to talk about the finest of sports, and that is boxing. And right now in the studio with me here to my left is Cleve Wason, who is the host of the manual and co-host of Political Football. And on the camera, we have Supreme Rich with us to talk about all things old school boxing. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. How you doing? Good, man. What's going on? You know, we're doing pretty good over here. Took us a little bit to get this rolling. This idea has been in our brains for, gosh, what, like a year and a half now? Yeah, just about. And since oh, things in, in boxing only happen about once every six months, uh, you know, we had sometimes no reason to, to get together. But this is a boxing show. And normally on Iceman and Coach, we talk about general sports. And so we don't feel like we have to be qualified to talk about these things. But if we're going to come to you with something more specific and tell you that we know more than you do about boxing, well, you know what? We damn well better have some bona fides. And so I want the two gentlemen on this call to give you their bona fides because I am definitely not the elder statesman of this. So Supreme, I want to start with you. How did you get into boxing and kind of tell us everything that you want to tell us about how you got to this place today in your life and your relationship with the sport of boxing? All right, let's see. We can start from the beginning. Now, I'm a kid that started boxing at two years old. I was a person that probably was supposed to go pro because I started early and that was my first love. Once I put the gloves on, once my dad had me in the mix, I fell in love with the sport and I, I, I dove in ever since. So I got a lot of years of knowledge. I'm an old man now. I'm, I don't know how old I look on camera, but I ain't a young boy no more. <laughs> but yeah, a lot, lot of years, you know. I, like I said, I've been fighting very early. You know, dad showed me a lot of things. I took it and ran with it. Little, little gym rat for a lot of years. And man, I just, I, I fell in love early. There's fighters that brought me in the game. I, I kind of got my first fighter that I really ran behind was Thomas the Hitman Hearns. And I kind of started formulating my style after him, but I'm more of a puncher boxer. So, you know, I, I gravitate to fighters who hit hard, who don't duck anybody. I like real men in the sport. I don't like this new this new stuff where people don't want to fight each other. They want to get an easy check on somebody you don't know. And then when you get a good fight, sometimes the ref do too much, and then sometimes the judges do too little. So, yeah, I got a lot of years all the way up to now, and you know, I'm, 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 I'm very appreciative that you guys put me on board here. You know, first time doing something like this. Hopefully I can uh, do you guys good. I think you will, man. Now, you got to know that Cleve here vouched for your excellence in this sport. And from what I understand, you are a world-class player of Fight Night. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, still, I'm definitely a gamer, so I still, I still play with that, too. You know, I'm, I'm pretty high up in that game. So, Cleve, it sounds like he's pretty... Uh, entitled to be able to speak here. So it's familiar for you too, isn't it? Yeah, same as Rich. My dad started this in sport. Sorry, my voice is cracking right now. I was about seven years old, just new to America, uh, getting teased a lot. My name Cleveland and I used to stutter, stammer, whatever you want to call it. 
you know, getting chased home by by the kids. And then, um, you know, my pops actually has a pedigree in boxing, you know, rest in peace. But he he trained fighters in the 70s. And then he had a couple of guys in the early 90s. And um, I've always been around the gym, always been working. And, and you know, to this day, I mean, I, I'm not no stranger to putting on some gloves or getting in the mix. And I can attest to that. So I'm here not only because I'm a great podcast host and moderator, but about what, seven years ago, Cleve, you and I linked up through one of your ads about your personal training. And I was kind of coming off of a marathon running career, I would say, because it was a good six years where I ran seven marathons and like 30 half marathons, a little humble brag, you know, and I was into doing something else. And I started picking up the gloves with you. I'd never picked up a pair of gloves in my life. And seven years later, I think I've done a pretty good job of making myself into somebody who can handle himself if the time were to arise to do that. And I've done a lot of study. You know, remember when we first got together, I was watching YouTube videos and film. I'm on beach vacations texting them about, hey, I watched this fight, I watched this fight. You know, just trying to soak up the sport because there's a lot of things that I misunderstood about the sport of boxing growing up. And I never was really, I guess, given the opportunity to understand it. I had to do it myself and study it. So that's how we are here. And that's why we are qualified to talk to you today. And I think it's pretty awesome how we all came together. Now, I remember we had a call, a little behind the curtain stuff for everybody. God, it's like a year and a half, maybe two years ago, we had a call because Cleve wanted me to talk to Rich so that Rich could basically decide if I was good enough to be doing this with you guys. <laughs> and so I got the seal of approval from Supreme himself. So I think we are ready to go here on this episode. Now, I want to start by talking about the state of boxing. Now, there's a lot of things that can go into that, Rich, and I kind of want to get your thoughts on on where the sport of boxing is, because you two grew up in an era in which it was appointment television. And for the two of you, it still is appointment television. But on the national landscape, it is not that anymore, where 40 years ago, heavyweight fight night, that was everybody watched that like you had to watch it now. And with the UFC overtaking it and many other factors going into it, I think boxing is kind of in trouble in some ways. And so I want to talk about that before we get into some of the fights that have happened over this past year. So Cleve, I want to start with you. Kind of where do you think that the sport is and just your take on the state of boxing compared to what it was when you were a kid? Well, I definitely was would um was sentiment Supreme's um, comment earlier about how the sport is not what it used to be. I mean, you have guys that are champions and they're over overlooking whoever that they don't want to fight. They're not being forced to fight uh, fights because back in the day you got stripped if you didn't fight somebody. You got literally your, your title was taken away from you. Now you could pick and choose and handpick your opponents for whatever reason. Where you know they're not a draw or I'm a draw. Or the money is going to be more on my side or whatever it is. Where back in the day guys basically wanted to be champion and they wanted to be the best. They didn't care who they fought, where they fought. They would go to England. They would go to Scotland. They would go anywhere to fight. But nowadays, you know, guys don't want to fight. I remember uh, Miguel Cotto. He never fought outside. New York City and he always fought in Madison Square Garden for some reason and you have to come to him you know when he was a champion so uh and if you if you wasn't willing to do that because you don't want the home cooking you didn't do it so boxing is definitely in trouble it's been in trouble for a long time and it's basically because the sport has no no oversight no regulation no no governing body because everybody could get a belt and then name a champion so it's kind of been always weird with that pretty sure they just did that in my neighborhood I'm pretty sure my neighborhood has a champion that I can go fight and take the belt off of but Supreme to you. That's how it works now. That's how it works. But Supreme to you, I want to your rebuttal on things that I said and also things that Cleve said about boxing and kind of where we are and you know how you feel about it. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, over the years, boxing back in the day when me and Cleve was really heavy into it, fighters wanted to be the best. And the only way you be the best is by fighting the best. And what has changed is 
fighters learn now that you don't have to fight the best to be the best. They tarnish the belts by letting anybody get the belt. And these guys are able to make money fighting whoever they want. So being that you can make a substantial amount of money fighting whoever, and you really don't care to be the best guy out there. You rather go to social media and just promote yourself as the best. And then your fan base is going to assume and say you the best. They're, they're happy with that. They're happy with the fake, the phony, the make it up stuff. And because of that, man, boxing is hurting because we, we need we need boxing to be controlled by one entity that will force these guys to fight. And if they don't fight, I'm all for making this so they can't fight. You know, if you don't, if you ain't going to fight this guy, the number one ranked guy, then you know what? Your license is going to be taken. We ain't going to just take your belt from you because these guys are able to fight without the belt and generate money. Take these guys' ability to generate money, then we can force them to fight. Every sport you see, football, basketball, baseball, end of the year, you know who the best is. Boxing, you can have three, four guys in the same division, a few, a few pounds up or down, all claim to be the best and never fight each other. That's hard. That, that, that's what's a detriment to the sport. And then what you said about UFC, UFC got one person controlling them. That's UFC. UFC going, if I wanted to fight you, if you didn't want to fight me, they're going to put us in, in the ring. If we both are able to generate money. If I'm scared of Cleve and Cleve want to fight, they're going to put us in the ring. They don't care what the fighters feel. It's all about them generating their revenue for the business. And I think boxing need to be more like that. Boxing need to have more control to be like, hey, if you want to be the best, you're going to fight them, period. And if you don't fight, you don't fight at all. You know, force these men to get in the ring. Give us some type of Super 6 tournament. Do something so every year or two, we know who the best fighter is in each weight class. Boxing will go come back the way it was. That's a really good point, actually, in the fact that if you were to go down the street and do the family feud method and survey 100 people on these fighters, who is the best heavyweight fighter? How many of them would actually know that? Because these guys are not household names the way that they used to, because the idea of undisputed is so far between the way that it used to, right? Like those fighters now are, you don't see that as often. It, where it used to be very commonplace that the undisputed heavyweight champion, the undisputed champion, right? And that's a good point, Rich, but I have a question for you both and you can decide how you want to answer this. But the idea that fighters are getting paid more with these gates and so forth has actually led to this paradigm where they're actually getting paid more for a sport that is taking away so much from them. But in doing so, they're now incentivized to not want to be the best or prove that they're the best because the idea at the end of the day now is I don't have to risk my life as often to get that payday. And so is it fair to say that that part of it, which is benefiting the fighters, is actually lacking for the fans? And Cleve, I'll let you start. A lot of fighters are seeing other avenues to make money and to you know, give long, longevity to their careers for the most part. But again, coming from the era that I come from, eight or nine guys are contenders, one champion, and you got to walk through fire to get to that, that number one spot. You have two or three losses coming up. That's it. You out, you know, we don't, we don't even remember who you are. But um, having having that revenue stream and and becoming these rock stars and not being the grit, it's crazy. I always brought I always bring up Rocky. I'm sorry. I always bring up Sugar Ray Robinson as my as my goat for a lot of reasons, but because of his record, the guy fought eight or nine times a month for a span of ten ten to twelve years. Now think about that. Eight or nine times a month. When you got some guys fighting twice a year. Which is what they're incentivized to do, though, right? Like, they're why would they fight even more than that if they don't have to? And, Rich, I want to ask you, like, if you had a kid who was up and coming in boxing, 
how would you struggle with this? Because you in your, you know, in the way you grew up with the sport, you want to prove that you're the best. And yet the sport is not that way anymore. When let's say your offspring could go and be a, be a millionaire and not have to do what Sugar Ray, Ray Robinson did, right? And fight, fight nine times a month. And would you struggle with that? Well, I, I, I'm from a different era. So I mean, when you when you say your child, that does put a different aspect on it. So let's let, let's be more clear when it's my business. When when I got a fighter and I got a stable of fighters, you know, of course, the goal is to keep everybody winning to make money. But the way to make the ultimate amount of money and the way to make my business the number one business is to make sure my fighters are the best. And the only way they're going to be the best is eventually I got to fight the best. You know, you, you can take some fighters and hold them off a little bit more because you're trying to let them mature. You're trying to let them grow into their size and strength. So I understand that aspect. Like maybe it's going to take them a little bit longer before I let them fight the best. But there's no such thing as never fighting the best. And then we claim we're the best. I would never allow that because that, that, that doesn't just hurt the fighter or the sport. That hurts me. That, that hurts everybody because then you got fan bases that are confused. They're going to be like, yeah, he's the best. Who did he fight? Don't, he fought everybody. No, he didn't fight nobody yet. <laughs> you can't be the best just because your fans want to see you the best. Yeah, I was just going to say that. That's how I feel about Deontay Wilder, that, that he fought everybody in the SEC. You ain't face world competition. You can't be the best dude. Can't be. You ain't fight the best. I mean, even now, look at Canelo. Didn't he just fight a, a few weeks ago? I thought I saw, and I don't even know the guy's name. But now, again, I'm more of a casual fan in that regard. But I'm saying he's supposedly one of the best fighters in the world. I'm not taking away from him, but a lot of the fighters that he has fought, a lot of the casual fans are like, I don't really know who that is. Yeah, Can Canelo's the man. You you got to give Canelo props on what he's done. But Canelo is at a point now he should not be fighting nobody unknown. He has the strength in boxing, the power in boxing to dictate whoever he fights. So they come to Canelo and say, hey, this guy's a whatever number one rank. You got to fight him. Canelo can easily say, nope, I want to fight this name. They're they not going to take nothing away from Canelo because he's the cash cow. If, if, you take, if you take your belt away from him, you took a lot of money from your own organization. So Canelo has the ability to fight who he wants. So when he fights a nobody, that, that that's that's just a that's a bad mark for boxing. Don't don't fight no unknowns. Canelo's too big for that right now. I agree. I'm not taking anything away from Canelo. I actually I, I do respect his fighting, but I'm saying he's a good example of the paradigm. And to your point, Rich and, and Cleve, about UFC, about how they kind of do some things differently. And man, they are they're they're still ascending, in my opinion. Like UFC feels like they haven't even peaked yet, but yet they've been at the top of combat sports now for it feels like a decade. And yet the sky's the limit. So what are they doing different? And they give you the fights you want every month. See, that's what they do. Every single month, UFC is going to give you the fight that you was talking about last month. If, if they see you fighting, you the man, you're going to be fighting the champion in the next month or two. And that's why UFC is doing so great. And their fight cards, it'd be nothing but champ. You don't have like one champ and then three dudes from down the street. You know, no, you got you got three, four champs fighting and, and they be legit fights. You know, they be legit fights. So, I mean, I'm, I'm actually a UFC guy now. I'm still boxing number one, but UFC has won me over because if you see somebody who you want to jump in that ring, they're going to force them to fight. And I like it. That's a good point. And it's like, what was it? Was it Jake Paul who was uh, on the main event and there was like a championship fight on the undercard? And I'm like, how is that happening? <laughs> 
It was, I, was, I was offended. I used to be mad at Jake Paul, but I can't no longer because, again, that's boxing's fault. If y'all not going to make the fights and this man is going to promote and bring out the stars and the big names and everybody going to come see him, then that's, you know, that's what he that's what he's doing. I mean, more, you know, more uh, credit to the man for doing that. I don't respect, you know, the, the fights that he picks and the people that he's fighting and, and, and some of the things because I, I think some of it is rigged sometimes. That's just my personal opinion. If you're going to promote things, boxing has done a horrible job over the last decade. If we're going to if we're going to pick a timeline of not promoting fights, you know, Rich and I come from the era of the Super Six. And for those fans that don't know what a Super Six is, it's a tournament that lasts about two years, a little over two years. And you, you have about eight, eight fighters. And then of the fights, we get one champion, one champion, one lineal champion that that emerges from that. And you can you can do it through all the weight classes to, to get your champion. And that way you see the fights you want to see because they pick the, the eight best guys that you can get to fight. But doesn't that benefit the sport if they do it? I understand that the fighters don't want to do it, but like, isn't there a shit ton of money to be made oh, from yeah. doing something like this? Oh, so yeah. it feels like not doing it is counterproductive to what they're trying to do, which they're all trying to make money. So like, doesn't everybody win? To show you how popular that is, the last Super 6 fight, the last Super 6 tournament, and Rich, tell me if I got this wrong, wasn't that with um Jermaine Taylor? And people, people don't even know who he, who, who he is really now nowadays and Carl Frock man I can't even name I can't yeah I can't even name who's in it but you 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 remember who won it though right who won it come on come on yeah, yeah I'm, I'm gonna give you all a few seconds you gotta remember who won it. He, he was at the fight he was at the fight last night oh uh, <laughs> Andre Ward he was commentating last night Ward Ward won the super six that's Ward, crazy that, that Ward came in there and beat them boys up. how long ago was that man that was a long time ago yeah, that, that, that was some time. I can't offhand. I'm not sure, but yeah. That was at least 12 years ago. It was a long time ago. You want to see me get on a hill and, and die on that hill is when people come at Andre Ward on social media for calling him a bum. And I'm like, wow. listen. Wow. They call Andre Ward a bum? I'm okay. <laughs> wow. I will say this, too, for you guys. The social media stuff isn't just about the fighters trying to make more money. There are a lot of weekend warriors that I call them. And I'll look at the camera and say this. There's a lot of weekend warriors who'd never step in the ring, who have a lot of opinions about these guys going in there and risking their life in the sport of boxing. And just because you go in there and get your clock clean doesn't mean that you aren't, I mean, you, you have balls to even get in there to do a lot of that. So that's why with the Jake Paul stuff, I'll give you, I'll give you that. It is boxing's fault, but I'm, I'm not here for these fans who are jerking him off. Like he's revolutionizing the sport of boxing. He's killing the sport of boxing. Just the marketing part. And again, for those fans that don't know who Andre Ward is, do your history. The man never lost. The man never. He's one of the greatest fighters, if not if not in that in my top ten all time. Is is he was an excellent fighter. Very very smart fighter. Fought who was in front of him and and beat a lot of a lot of big names. Andre Ward. I can't believe somebody called him a bum. And through injury, he was a fighter who. A lot of his career was slowed down because he had a lot of injuries that made him miss miss years. And he came back always for the champ and always be the champ, always for the top one to two fighter, and he beat him. And like I say, he went through the Super Six. He fought, he fought some good names in the Super Six. He won the Super Six by beating Carl Frotch. If you, if you remember Carl Frotch, real tough dude from across the water. And uh, yeah, that Super Six was good. He uh, I'm, I'm looking at it now. He beat Frotch. He beat uh, Arthur Abraham, but a lot of people were scared of back then. Heavy, heavy hand fighter. You know, when they put him in the Super People was nervous. But I think when it first started, I think uh, Jermaine Teller was actually one of the favorite guys to make it through. And I, I believe uh, I believe Foch was the one that knocked him out. I think Carl Foch was the one that knocked out. Uh, Jermaine got beat early. And, and he got him back. It's, it's crazy that people don't remember his name. People don't remember who he is. 
Well, I was about to make that point, actually. All these guys that you're talking about, there's not as many of those guys that like, well, today's boxing fans remember all these guys that are fighting today that are just like the guys that you're talking about. They're not going to because our society, everything is fleeting. Even if you're the champ, once you, you said you lose twice, you're done. You're done. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's how it is. And that's kind of crazy because there are some guys like Pacquiao's lost like what, 12 times or whatever. And everybody knows who he is. Now that's a different story. That's maybe not the right example to be using there. But my point being is like, you guys can pull all these names out of hats about, oh, you remember this guy, this guy, this guy. And you have stats on the guy. I remember him heavy handed, right? I feel like there's a lot of fighters that are not going to be remembered during this era right now because of exactly what you're talking about. No exposure. The whole point of the sport for me, and I want to hear Rich's opinion on this, is like these up and coming guys, they're hungry. They're fighting for something other than just a paycheck, because for a lot of these guys, this might be their only chance. And so like when we don't get to see those guys against top notch competition to at least try to get their moment in the sun, it sucks for us as a fan because that's the ultimate story. You want to see those underdog guys. You want to see those guys that are like, man, who is this guy? Like the Rocky stories. That's a quintessential Rocky story. Like everybody loves that. But yeah, we're being robbed of it month in and month out in this sport. And it kind of sucks. I agree. So, gentlemen, what do you say we talk about some real fighters? And I'm going to say this, and I want to hear your opinion on this. I think there have been two super fights this year that most people have been talking about more than any other fights. And I think that the Tank-Ryan Garcia fight from, I think it was last month, is one that everybody was talking about. Your casual fan was sort of in the know about it. And then last night, or two nights ago, was Lomachenko and Devin Haney. And I think that that was one that was kind of talked about a little bit more. I saw a little bit more promotion for it. And I, I say talking about it isn't like promotion because there's a lot of fights that happen that I don't even see promoted. But both of those fights, I think, were 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 important for the sport, but I think they also have some commentary on where the sport is today. And I want to start with the Tank fight. And Supreme, I want to get your thoughts on the Tank Garcia fight. I know that was a while ago, but uh, it was a pretty definitive decision. But I wanted to get your thoughts on the lead up to it, how it went, and just your your expertise on what you saw in the ring. All right, now that fight, uh, it, it, it was a good it was a good fight to promote. You know, they both were two young guys without a belt, but they had a good enough name to generate more money than the champion who's Haney in that same weight class around that weight class. But it, it, it was it was a good it was a good fight on paper. Ryan had an opportunity to get more people to see him as a better fighter, maybe a real fighter if he could afford to fight out. But like I told many people before that fight, it was just too many steps, too many levels above Ryan Garcia. Ryan Garcia didn't have a chance against against Tank. Tank, too skilled, too sharp, too patient. And uh, it was a tough fight for Ryan. Ryan Ryan did what he could do through punches, but with a skilled man, Tank just took his time, counterpunched him, and and, and beat, beat him up pretty easy. The, the only thing I didn't like about that fight was the stipulations that Tank and his team put on it. I don't like the fact that they made Ryan had that hydration clause where he couldn't, he couldn't even rehydrate for the fight. He had to stay at a weight that was too light for him up until fight time. And that, to, to deplete this man of strength shows a fear that I felt Tank shouldn't have. Tank was good enough and, and, and by far better than Ryan that he should have let Ryan just rehydrate like any other fighter. Come in, if he want to come in at 155 or 160, Tank should have been skilled enough to do what we saw him do. But, you know, Tank beat him. I think it's an asterisk by that fight just because Ryan wasn't at his best. Ryan also had a had a stomach injury. But either way, Tank was better. Tank was beating him. And I think the people liked it because they brought a lot of fans out. That, that was a fight that was actually good for boxing because they do have a big enough fan base on social media that it was a good turn. And they put on a good show. How often does that rehydration clause happen, Cleve? Because I'd never heard of that. Not often. I mean, I, Mayweather might have had one, right? 
Right Supreme, I think one time that I remember Mayweather have used one uh, back in the day, but it's it's rare. I mean, it's rare. I mean, obviously, we want to what people should know about is like if the weight is a uh, is, is stipulation, we got to weigh in at the weight. If you won't make weight, you lose part of your purse as a as a penalty. So we know about that. But to tell a man he can't hydrate, that's crazy. I'm in that I'm in that mindset of or or school of thought of like, I want to beat you at your best. I don't want you to have no excuses to me to tell me, you know what, I was hurt, you know, whatever. I'm like, OK, if you hurt, then let me know so we can postpone the fight until you're not hurt. I want to beat you at your best. So there's there's no there's no uh, there's no asterisk. There's no nothing that could tell me that I didn't beat you. So to me, I felt having a mole in the camp. That was kind of Bush League um, to get inside information that that Ryan got hurt in sparring. So, you, you know, to the body. So obviously you have some intelligence there. I mean, you know, but it is, again, it's, it's the fight game. The fight game encompasses everything that you can use to to better your opponent. So I can't really be mad at that, but I'm not going to put a, a dude in somebody's camp. I mean, I, I'm i not going that far with that. I mean, I say this all the time about sports, that it's always about trying to win in the margin. Like they're always trying to do that. No matter what the sport is, they're trying to do something, whether it's signal stealing, having a mole in there. And I get it from the integrity standpoint. You don't want that. But what does it say about Ryan that he takes the stipulation? Because obviously he felt like he had to in order to get this fight. And this was a big moment for him. But a little a little ballsy on his part to take that kind of a clause, knowing it's going to deplete him of a lot of power. So two things um, about this. To Supreme's point about the, the good for boxing as far as the fan base comes came out most of those fans came to see ryan ryan is a big mega super um ig fan only fighters i'm sorry only only fight fans know who who, who uh javante davis is tank davis is right but if you if you put them on social media more people would know ryan garcia than they would know tank davis so a lot of those people that came out for the weigh-in the weigh-in was at the staples center i think it was and that looked like a like a lakers game for for a weigh-in i said i ain't never seen people come out for a weigh-in like that you know that for two guys are not heavyweights or you know a, you know bigger guys or whatever so um i think ryan had to take the fight um i wouldn't have signed the hydration clause but i got obviously he wanted to make the money and he wanted a chance at being champion you know beating beating a dude so you know you this is your chance yeah beating a big name um because again up until now, the resumes didn't match up. Tank's resume is way more impressive. And Ryan just kind of said, you know what, let me shoot my shot. However handicap is going to be, I'm going to try to make this fight. Yeah, I think Ryan was confused. I think Ryan, whoever's in his corner, misled him on how good he was. I think he believed that he could beat Tank easy. So he was taking whatever. He was like, hey, just give me the money. I'm going to jump in the ring. But, you know, you got to be smarter than that. You got to know who you're jumping in the ring with. Tank is a better fighter than Ryan, so Ryan should have been no on anything that made him weaker, anything that could have slowed him down. Ryan should have said, hey, if you want to fight me, I, I ain't taking this stuff, you know, but it, it was his fault, man. He uh, he took the bait, you know, he got confused and thought he had a great chance of winning, so he felt it didn't matter what the rehydration clause was. And I was checking also to see the last person that did that, that was a big name, Canelo against Kovalev. Remember when Canelo fought Kovalev and Canelo was somehow seemed so much stronger than Kovalev late. The hydration clause. Kovalev wasn't allowed to put his weight in, and it made it so Kovalev was weak late. And he, it was a fight that Kovalev was winning. Co old Kovalev was actually outskilling and boxing Canelo, but then Canelo hit him late, knocked him out with basically one punch, and that's what the hydration does. If you can't get your strength back, you're going you're going to be softer than the than the smaller man. See, these are the little nuances of the fight game that a lot of casual fans really don't even understand or even think to look for. 
the ins and outs of these contracts have a lot to do with how a fight can go down or not go down because it could deplete one side or the other of of some advantage that they could find or have in the ring. And let me say real quick, also too, they the gloves, they they do certain gloves that'll be better for the puncher or the boxer. The ringside. If I'm a boxer, if I'm if I'm like Floyd Mayweather, you see Floyd Mayweather rings was bigger than the than the football field. You know, you 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 make sure it's going to suit you when you're the A side fighter. You know, I want to have this, I want to have that, and it's so you can be have a better advantage over your opponent. Now, I don't have a problem with the gloves. I don't have a problem with the ring size. I got a problem with rehydration. Don't 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 try to make the man weak and then you act like you won a legit fight. I, I don't. I was going to preference um uh, catch weight fights. You know, when two fighters got to come, either come one got to come down or one got to come up. It it it's it's a it's a disadvantage to both fighters and it's an advantage to both fighters because it takes a little bit of steam off a guy that's a big puncher to come down and a guy that's 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 a more uh, speedy guy who who got to gain gain weight to meet and he gonna get a little slower. So yeah, yeah. I, Coming to, I think, yeah, we think we talked about that offline, Matt, uh, contracts of like, I, I want a certain referee. I don't want certain judges. You know, I should be able to dictate who I want, you know, that's going to help or be fair to me versus getting somebody. I'm like, you know what? I don't like that judge. That judge never, you know, never does it fair and whatnot. So, you know. And Supreme, you should know about me that like sports business is kind of my thing. So I always bring Cleve into this discussion about the things that go into it, like that are reading between the lines of things that happen in sports. Like the stuff that happens in the ring is cool for me. And it, it really is like watching the fights and being able to break it down, looking at it analytically. I much enjoy that. But sometimes when you find out this stuff, like after you see a decision or knowing what's going to happen coming in, it does help you analyze the fight a little bit different. And I know you're somebody who scores the fights at home. So I have to think that you have to know all these things before you even start to score a fight, right? You want, you want to be aware of everything that's going on so you can, uh, you know, you want to have a full scope of what you're looking at. Because one, 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 one big thing, real quick, one big thing about scoring a fight, you want to make sure you know the fighters fully because a fighter could be doing something that you can be grading him as a positive for or as a negative. Like if a fighter is a very strong, aggressive fighter, and then he jump in the ring and the man is pushing him around and chasing him, well, then you got to, that's a negative. It's like, why is this man running around in this ring? So he's being dictated by his opponent. As opposed, if you see somebody who's a boxer doing the same thing, it becomes a positive for him. Like this man is moving around the ring and using great ring generalship, and he's outpointing the guy. So, so it's good to be aware of what the opponents and fighters can do so you can judge the fight properly. Well, you always talk about Gaddy, how he used, to, he used to have a long leash because he did better when he was hurt. So, like, they kind of let him. So if you're judging him. Yeah, he was a guy that he, anybody else, they would have stopped it. But Gaddy, they gave him just enough, like, yo, he going to come out of it. He, you know, the worse he looked, he's still in the fight. But he, it was just for him. So I would agree that that fight was more for the casual fans and did a lot for boxing because I get a text from my co-host who doesn't really watch boxing, but he did tune in to that fight and was asking me questions about it. So I do agree. And I think that we need more of that, right? We need more of these fights that are going to bring not just people like us to these pay-per-views or these fights, but people that are fringe fans or somebody who used to be a fan back in the day, maybe somebody who used to watch 20 years ago. And now they look at the sport and say, we never get any of these good fights. Why should I tune in? But I want to move to last night because last night was a little bit more controversial. The first fight that we talked about, much more definitive. We knew who won that fight. Easy, cut and dry. But whenever we get down to these decisions, we kind of get into where we struggle as 
just sports fans with these these sports that are subjective. We see this in the Olympics a lot with anything that has judges, right? And boxing is that. And so last night, Devin Haney defends his his championship against Lomachenko, who Lomachenko comes in at 35 years old. He has you know pedigree of a lot of different things, the way he fights. Haney, the young guy, the young champion, you know, a lot of bravado. And they fight They fight last night. Cleve and I just watched it this morning, today. It was a great fight. But a lot of people felt like there was some not so good cooking on it. But Rich, uh, I want to get your thoughts on it because you did watch it live and you have had some thoughts on it. And I want to also take that fight and talk about what it says about where boxing is today with the subjective nature of judges, the kind of judges that are out there. We see their scores and think, how is this person even still employed? And I think that last night is a really good example of that. So Supreme to you about the fight. Now with that fight, to uh, to dive right in, one judge, if I remember, was like 116 to 112. Now that 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 judge was a, was a little bit off. That's somebody you would look at like, what, what's going on with this guy? He don't need to be there. But the other two judges, I do agree. Now, my scorecard was 115 to 113. I thought I thought Haney did very well early. Haney worked the body beautifully, and he did a good job. He, he, he won enough rounds to where Lomachenko had to fight to come back, and he got himself back in the fight, but I, 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 didn't, I didn't feel he won. But that fight was such a close fight in certain rounds that depending on how you judging it, you you switch around it to then you then you got Lomachenko winning. So that's a fight that's just hard to argue if they said draw Haney or Lomachenko because it was that close. But when you, when you look at the fight, Haney's the champ. You don't you don't want to steal the fight from the champ. I mean, a lot of people heard my man Shakur say, "Oh, Loma won." Shakur is trying to really promote his fight with Haney. He's trying to dig in Haney. And saying a lot of people went on social media and ran with that. Like, oh, we was robbed. But no, that was a close fight. That was a close fight that Loma lost. And if somebody felt he didn't, it was close enough that you can't really dispute it. But I believe Haney put enough rounds in early, worked that body. I mean, Loma wasn't even able to block the body shots. He would just lead right hand to the body. He made Loma Chenga look like an amateur. You know, he, he, he did very well. But Loma, with his speed, with his skill, he fought hard and he fought well. He, he did what I thought. I thought I actually thought Loma was going to lose that fight more decisively. I even thought he was going to get stopped. I thought he's going to, in the late rounds, I thought Haney would be young enough, strong enough to wear him down and beat him up. But Loma was actually the stronger man. He finished stronger. He looked good. But like I said, my scorecards, I felt he, it was 115 to, to 113. I, I thought Haney's eked it out. He, he eked it out enough so they should rematch. You know, they should they, they they should do it again. We just said that actually that this is the kind of this is the kind of fight where if you're Haney, let run it back because uh, again, I want to beat you again and prove that this wasn't a fluke. Because especially with this narrative coming out of here, like and and Haney's body language at the end of the fight, Cleve and I both talked about this right afterward. It was like he doesn't walk around like a guy who seems super confident that he's going to take this away. Like there was a little bit of hesitancy there because of how things finished. And in round eleven, Lomachenko was taking it to him and. It was, and and I was impressed watching it with all the body work at the beginning. Normally that slows mortals down. You know, it doesn't matter who you are, you get enough body work and it takes everything away from you. Guys generally tend to fade and Lomachenko's coming back and not just coming back and getting like scoring shots. I mean, that left hand, that straight left hand, Haney didn't have an answer for it in, God, it was like five rounds in a row. Just we're seeing his head snap back. And so that was... It was, a, it was a really good fight. And I actually was thinking, depending on who you like and depending on how you feel that day, 
you could have de- you could have graded certain rounds differently and had a different outcome. And that's why I think you need to run that back. Hopefully we do get it. But Cleve, I want to get your thoughts on that fight because I know you're a big Loma guy and I am too, to an extent, but I try to be unbiased in my assessment. Um, so hats off to Devin Haney. I thought he fought a great fight. And to Supreme's point, uh, worked the body really well. I mean, he made a living on working the body. I mean, you know, you never see Lomachenko getting caught to the body that that easy that often. Um, so he, he did, you know, hats off to his training camp for getting him ready to do that. Um, I still don't think Haney has power. And it showed that he never hurt Lomachenko, uh, although, you know, him being the older fighter and Haney being a younger fighter. Uh, one of the things that I that I take away from it is the judges. Uh, I hate when it gets to the judges. I mean, I'm not a big fan of seeing people get hurt, but knockouts are part of the sport. It's like NASCAR for the crashes. You know, you, you, you go and kind of see a, you know, a wreck. David Moretti is a really questionable judge, man. Like, he, he scored in the tank fight. Tank knocked down Garcia, and he scored that fight. Normally, it would be a 10-8 round. He scored that fight even. He scored that round even. And that's questionable for me to have a guy sitting in that chair that's going to see the fight 112, 116 when two people saw it 115, 113. That's crazy to me that that what rounds did you give away um, or give to Haney? Because, again, I didn't think Haney took the fight all the way out. Lomo could have probably did a little bit more in the earlier rounds from what I saw. But um, it was a close fight. They should run it back. Um, I think uh, the, the, the controversy or the conspiracy is uh, – it's always around the younger fighter that they can make more money with going into the future. Uh, Lomachenko, by any standards, is an ancient fighter. 36 years old, 35 years old, uh, 402 amateur fights, 18 professional fights. It's a lot of boxing, man. It's a lot of boxing. And at some point, you know, you're not going to make money with him. If he becomes a champion again, um, how many years he got? Maybe three or four, if that. You know, Haney's young. I mean, Haney, you got another 10 years. And then you also got Shakur out there. You got... Um, you got a couple of guys out there, actually, you know, that could still, you know, get this belt. So I hope that um they do run it back. But um for some reason, these guys will exercise these uh these rematch clauses. I'm like, give yourself some insurance and say, you know what? Just in case I lose, I want to be able to go back. Unless I get knocked out. If I get knocked out, nobody want to see that again. You know, if you get knocked out, no rematch clause for you. <laughs> like, you, you got caught. No, but if it goes to the judges and the decision does not go your way, as the champion, I would like to think you want to prove it to people because the, the perception is that Haney was gifted this decision. And now I think that's mostly social media driven, which is why when I was looking through Twitter and I saw all of that, I thought that's not necessarily what happened. Like you need to watch the fight to be able to say that. And honestly, a lot of the social media narrative is from people who don't really know what they're watching. And I don't mean that to throw shade at anybody who's listening or watching this, but we all have studied film and and looked at different things. And I think it's easy to say, oh, he was robbed or it's a conspiracy. And it doesn't always have to be that. It can just be that this is a subjective sport and you're going to get decisions that you don't agree with. And last night was one of those times. So how best to figure that out? Fucking run it back again. Boxing is one of those sports where in basketball, in the championships, you got the best of seven. World Series, same kind of thing. But in boxing, you can't have an off night. (laughs) You cannot have an off night. Off night can mean title, contention, or both. You can't have an off night. You know, you got guys going out there fight with a broken arm, broken thumb, broken hand, shoulder tore, but they're going to fight. You know, you got guys fight that they're, that they're sick. My boy's six, but he rests in peace. He he fought when uh, he was lactose intolerant. This is like a funny story. Lactose intolerant, goes into a fight, has, has a milkshake before the fight. <laughs> and he, he got to go to the bathroom, <laughs> like round five, six. And real, but he's having stomach cramps. I'm like, bro, why did you have a milkshake? 
but rest in peace, six. Uh, my boy Andrew Lewis, he was a he was a WBC welterweight champion at one point. So now here's a question for you. Now we always get the commentators like I think we got Max on the broadcast given his scoring of it, but yet we never seem to get that transparency with the judges. Now how great would it be if we could get that mid-fight interview with one of the judges, hear what they're saying? Right. Because we don't get that transparency. They give in their scorecards. It's now on Twitter. Everybody knows what they scored it, but they don't know what they're seeing. Wouldn't that actually be a great part of the broadcast to give just a little bit, right? Just a little bit like after a big round or after a close round, you talk to one of the judges and they say, well, this is what I was seeing. It's like, oh, okay, maybe I didn't see that. And because you got to remember their vantage point is different than yours. You're on television now. Everything's in 8K and you got 17 billion cameras there that are switching angle, 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 angle. You're basically like standing in the ring with them. But these judges are sitting ringside stationary and they only have one vantage point. You know what, uh, Rich, uh, educate me on this. Is CompuBox still around or, or is that an HBO thing? The CompuBox is them counting all the punches per round. HBO could have maybe started, but every, everybody does that. They, 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 everybody counts. Yeah, everybody counts. Because my boy Harold Letterman. Okay, Jim. <laughs> Rest in peace. That, that, that was my dude. That was my dude. Yeah, but again, like, he would tell you what he saw, right? But that was, again, somebody who's not scoring the fight for real. And how every, every other... Yeah, but every other athlete gets an it's a microphone shoved in their face after the game, but they don't have to. They're like, peace, I'll go. Let me, let me say this. Now, they they did adopt that some years ago with I forgot what belt it was, but they was making it so throughout the fight you would get an update on what the judges had to score at a certain round. And they, they kind of they kind of just erased that and ran from that. But I think that was a very good thing. Go, what you gonna say? No, I I think I know what fight that was and I know why they erased it. It was uh it was rigging down Donaire. And it was such a blowout, and Donaire was they man. They they's like, no, we can't have it. We can't do this again. <laughs> and that's the reason why they need to do it though, because that's going that's going to stop them from cheating. Because you don't want them to take an extra five minutes to tally up the scorecard after the fight, and then they did their magic on it. If we can get them to give us every three rounds what they already done scored, now they can't go back and change nothing. I think that's a, that would be a great aspect of boxing to stop all that shadiness, a lot of the shadiness. Because tell me right now what you got. And like you said, to your point, speak to one of the judges every three rounds. Let, let all three judges get a chance to talk somewhere through that fight so we can get their perspective. What are they seeing? What do they believe is happening? And I think that'll make them a little bit more honest if we can show exactly what they're doing and hear what they feel. Yeah, but it's to me, it feels like from a production standpoint, that also adds to the broadcast, too, because one of the things I loved is when they started getting those corner insights. You started hearing what the corner was talking about in between rounds. And sometimes you and I would watch a fight and the guys like just keep doing what you're doing. And we're like, oh, that's not good advice. That was a staple back in the day. I mean, Suprema remember when um when they told Medrick Taylor against Chavez go out. I'm like, he's he's so far ahead. You don't need a knockout just to survive the round. He goes out for looking for the knockout and gets and gets beat, you know. Uh, Tito Trinidad a couple times. I'm like, what are they telling this dude? Like, you, what fight are y'all watching? You know, give him instructions. You know, let him know what you're seeing. But that was always good to see a corner. Yeah, it's a great thing to see the corner. But unfortunately, you we get to see that insight on a corner who has a great fighter, and you think the corner's good, but they actually not. Fighter's just great, and when that fighter gets some type of adversity. Now you see that corner. Hey, just keep doing what you're doing. Dude lost like eight rounds in a row. <laughs> you know, eyes are closed. Ryan fired his trainer after the fight. That's right. That's right. Because they, because they, they, a lot of these trainers, they just go off the victories of the fighter. They don't really have that that foresight or the insight to be like, this is what we need to change. This is what I see right now. They basically just come in there. They come with a game plan. They just run with it. But you got to have the ability to be 
on the go and change it. Like, you know what we was doing? That ain't working. So I need you to move more. I need you to come in more. I need you to block more or grab more. You know, tell the guy something that can help him change what's going on with the flow of the fight. A lot of them don't do it. We give Lomachenko's dad a lot of credit for that. Like the, the Linares fight, torn labrum, he gets knocked down. And this is not something that they're used to, but basically he just takes out the playbook, flips to the page. Okay, this is what this happens. This is what we're going to do. And not every corner does that. I mean, we have definitely seen that. There was a heavyweight fight we were watching and the guy had a broken right hand. They're like, just use your left. And we're like, are you kidding me? Like, that's your advice? Like, Thank God the guy had power that he was fighting. The advice should be like, here's the towel. Let's pick it up. This is just not your day. And said, yeah, use your left. And we're both like, he's going to get somebody killed in that ring. But to me, it just adds to the element of it to where, again, and the casual fan doesn't feel like this is right. Because what I'm afraid of is that this social media narrative, and we know this in this country, Social media takes over everything. Something gets posted on social media. Everybody believes that that's the truth. It is what it is. Fake news, whatever it is you want to call it. And now you have all these people who tuned in, maybe even bought the pay-per-view and are go scrolling through their phone and saying, oh, it's rigged. So boxing's rigged. So why the hell should I watch it? I'll just go to watch UFC. Great cards, great fights. I never, never a shadow of a doubt. And that is hurting the sport. I just don't understand why the sport is so anti some of these things that aren't going to hurt it. They're only going to help it. Like, I don't understand this. But it's, it's what I said earlier. There's no regulatory body. You know, there's no, I mean, Supreme would tell you, like, boxing's been around, I mean, it's been around since the Greek, since the Greeks, but as a, as a sport, as an organized sport, since the, since the uh, late 1800s, few rule changes, but by not having a governing a governing body or even having, like, these fighters don't even have, like, they don't have pensions, they don't have any health insurance, they don't... So a lot of things goes into that, like, why they make a decision of fighting who they want to fight and ducking whoever they want to duck or whatever it is. But the sport just does... It does not have somebody to tell you, you got to do this. Or if you don't do it, that's it. We come from that era where you got stripped. If you didn't... When that Ring magazine came out back in the day... <laughs> And you wasn't in the top 25 dudes. You wasn't in the top 15 or top 10. Nobody knew about you. And you had to beat people to get to the top. You just didn't get a title shot because you was popular. You got a title shot because you was a, you was a dog. You, you worked hard and, and, and you did your thing. You know, it, it's, it's comical because I always go, I'm always going to love the sport no matter what. But I mean, they're so far, they're, they're archaic at this point when it comes to uh, some of the things. But again, it's, it's money, it's revenue. Um, now these fighters are getting part of the gate which is something that back in the day they didn't really get that. Why do I see you as a young teenager and somebody says, you know what fighter I like is this guy? And you pull out Ring Magazine. Yeah, he's not in here. Who the hell's that? Yeah. I'm not doing that. Supreme will tell you that's, that was the Bible, like Ring Magazine. <laughs> there was three, there was three, th three magazines, three publications, but Ring, Ring, even the fighters was like wanting to be in Ring. They wanted to be that guy. Like if you, if you wasn't in the top 15, man, you really wasn't, and you was nobody. And any one of those guys in the top 10 could have been champion. So, Supreme, I'm going to look toward the future and not just for this year, but as you see it, maybe even for the next five years of the sport, because I think we all agree that it is in some trouble. Is it possible that the sport could go under at any point in time? And do you see that as a realistic possibility or there'll always be just enough to keep it going because it's such a longstanding sport and it really is passed down from generation to generation? Yeah, but boxing is is never going to completely fall off, you know, because as long as we keep keeping some stars in there, guys that generate the revenue they generate, yeah, bo bo boxing boxing generates way too much money for it just to disappear. You know, it's a lot of money involved, so it's going to be there. It's just not going to be the same from what we experienced growing up 
until they make these guys fight each other. If, if everybody going to be scared to fight, if, you, if you're going to have a bunch of Bud Crawfords and Earl Spencers who you think they're the best, but they don't fight each other, it's going to always hurt the sport. But as long as we still got people fighting and we still watching every weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the sport going to be around. And, and it's going to keep making it. It's just like the hardcore fans is going to be hurt because we know it could do better. What are some fights that you'd like to see over the next, let's say, 18 months? Oh, wow. Well, what I just said, I definitely want to see, you know, Bud and Spence. I want that. That fight needs to be done. That fight needs. To be done. And uh, that, that's like that's like the main fight I want to see. Now, as for like newer guys, I want to see some new guys get it. But let me see. That was what's big. Fight. I would like I would like to see Canelo fight my dude uh, Benavides. Them them two need to make that fight. I would like I would like to see uh, Bivol, the guy that beat uh, Canelo fight fight uh what what's, what's that other guy in that division i forgot his name it's something b i forget his name but it's, it's another uh light heavyweight who's the all knockouts great record and a uh, bivol needs to unify with him that's a great fight and i, I think the, the, those those are two real big mega fights that i think we need to see bivol unify you know canelo fight benavidez spence and bud heavyweight wise they was talking about it kind of fizzled out they was talking about doing a heavyweight tournament somewhat like a tournament they was going to let Tyson Fury fight Usyk. They was going to let Wilder fight Joshua, and that's supposed to be in December. Josh, uh, Wilder got caught up with a gun charge, and I hope that don't mess up that December thing. Yeah, he got caught with a gun charge uh, about a couple weeks ago. But they was going to fight. Yeah, they was going to fight overseas for big money, and the winner between those two fights is going to fight each other. And, of course, it will be undisputed because when Fury and Usyk fight, the winner has all the heavyweight belts. So that's four belts, undisputed champion. And uh, they was going to fight uh, the winner between Wilder and Joshua. And it's nice because we would get the fights we want to see. Because even though Joshua looks broken, I always want to see Wilder and Joshua fight. So we get to see that. We get to see the unification with Usyk and Fury. And then whoever wins, man, we get to see them. So th those are probably like the biggest fights, the biggest paydays I, I would like to see this year. That just shows you, too, how much of a missed opportunity Ruiz had when he had the belt. Golden ticket, bro. You're talking about that biggest, that four heavyweights. That's all we're talking about. Like, that's all we want to see. And he had the belt. He had the chance and gave it away. Gave it away. And this is a sport, man, where this might be your only chance. Your only chance. And it, to me, it comes down to having the right people in your camp. And we've talked about it on here. Your corner may seem good or your entourage might seem like they're great buddies, but it's a business. Like you are here to make money. This is your livelihood. You fight for a living and you got to have everything in place to make sure that happened. Like if I would ever become heavyweight champion, I would do everything I could to not lose that belt. And if that meant getting up every day at 5 a.m. and eating nothing but chicken and rice so that I was ready to go. What was it? You talk about Bernard Hopkins. Ready Always ready to go. That dude was, that dude was, he walked around fight ready. I kind of like that, too. Like, you're out grocery shopping. Somebody's like, hey, B-Hop, I'm ready. Yeah, he's ready. I'm like, yo, just who, who am I fighting in two weeks? I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm at wait. Two hours. He's ready to go. He's like, let's go. Let's wait. And let's get it out. Let's get out. And that just, it makes me sad. But I want to see Fury and Usyk because Usyk kind of came up from cruiserweights, right? And he did what he had to do. He beats Joshua. Didn't he beat him twice? Beat him twice. Beat him twice. Beat him twice. He, they ran it back. He beat him again. And Fury, I don't want to say he's ducking the guy, but they're not making this fight. And this is like, I would actually probably pay to watch this heavyweight fight. Now, if they do this tournament, I'm totally in for it. They need it. Yes. <laughs> it would be big for the sport. The heavyweight champion used to walk into the biggest clubs in New York City and be like, right over here, sir. Yeah, the, the last unified champ that I remember was Mike. 
Mike was the last feared unified champion. All the belts, even the ones that didn't even matter. The WBO and all that was in the back. Like, yo, they just going, I'm going to wear the three straps that, that count. WBC, IBF, WBA. I'm, uh, it's on my waist. I'm walking in with that. Everything else, I just got them because I'm collecting them like, like, like Thanos. You know what I'm saying? I'm just collecting these belts or whatever it is. But, you know, um, after Mike lost, they broke the belts up and it's never been the same. It, there was one time, and this is why I don't like heavyweight fights anymore. There was seven heavyweight champions. I never heard of a sport that got seven individual dudes and six of them were European, <laughs> meaning like all over, there was no one American champion and probably had like the lowest belt at the time. Like, that's crazy. Well, before we get to the end of the show here, I want to remind everybody who's watching on YouTube and listening that if you have a fight that you want to see or you have an opinion on anything we've talked about today, do not forget to call or text the show. Area code 703-718-6314 is the number. I'll repeat that again. Area code 703-718-6314. Call or text. Give us your opinion. Now, Supreme, I'm going to do something. Every time we record here, Cleve is a man who likes to tell stories. He's a storyteller. And he always gives me this little nugget of history. And a guy that he talks about, he's like, hey, remember this guy? Or you should go look this guy up. And so I want to do Cleve's obscure fighter. And I don't mean obscure to you two. I mean obscure to the casual fans who maybe don't remember guys from years past or decades past. So, Cleve, I want to give you the floor to give everybody an education on your obscure fighter of this episode. Actually, Supreme and I talked about this earlier today, Timmy Witherspoon. He was a great fighter, great heavyweight in the 80s. One of the guys that got ducked a lot. And I don't know if, if it's because of his style. You could never look good against him. He wasn't a, a big banger per, per, per se, but he was an excellent boxer. And he lost 13 times. But of the 13 times, I think I had, I had to look this up to remember this. He only he only got knocked out four times in them 13 losses over his 55 fight career. He lost 13 times, but only knocked out four times out of them 13 times. And this is the era of, of, of early Mike, goon Mike. And this is the early era of, of a lot of killers in that division. Timmy Witherspoon, uh, he had a great fight against Larry Holmes that you that you need. It's must-watch TV. Uh, jump on YouTube. Every once in a while, I jump on YouTube, and I, I just watch an old fight from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 70s, 80s, 90s. I just watch an old fight just to, you know, Friday night. I'm, I'm not doing nothing. I'm just going to sit and watch a fight. The thing about Timmy, because Don King used to promote big, as we know, in the 80s and 90s. The thing was that Don controlled a lot of the fighters, and he didn't really control Timmy Witherspoon. And Timmy never got a shot. And it's, I think it's because fighters didn't like to fight a, a guy that's going to be skilled. He's, he's going to outbox them. He had a good chin where he didn't get knocked out. I think Rich remembers this um, this fighter pretty well. Timmy Witherspoon. What would you think of Timmy Witherspoon, Rich? Now, Tim Witherspoon was my guy. You know, I was a, I was a big fan of Tim. Tim had a lot of skill, like, like we spoke about before. He was one of the heavyweights that, had the skill level of a smaller man, similar to like a middleweight, similar to like a, a super, super middle. He he can power both hands, good jab, body head, hooks to the body, hooks to the head. Very, very skilled fighter. Tim, Tim was the man. I, I, I definitely appreciate his fight. He was a like Chris Berg, but with, with better hands. Bigger, bigger, stronger. Because Chris Berg was a 
was a blown up light heavyweight. You know, Tim Willis was was all heavyweight. B- Bonafide. And there you go. Cleve's obscure boxer. One of the great things about technology today, you talked about YouTube, being able to look up literally everything, including Tim Witherspoon highlights. And of course, you can look up this show and the Iceman and Coach Sports Show. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever it is that you are watching or listening. Gentlemen, it has been a pleasure, but I want to give you the floor one last time. Supreme, any parting thoughts for our loyal listening boxing fans? I would just say, uh, you know, boxing is a great sport. Boxing gives us a lot of fun. And, you know, you just got to stick with it. You just got to, you know, spend your money. Check it out. You're going to enjoy it. We got big fights on the horizon. And as long as you stick with it, you, you're going to have, you know, box, boxing is a great sport. Cleve, any parting thoughts for the audience? To sentiment what Supreme said, boxing is a great sport. Um, I've always, always loved the sport since I was a kid. Um, I think uh, being in a history buff of the sport, People should go and look at some of the yesteryear champions and, and the people that came before because this crock of guys now in, in this age and time, I'm not taking nothing away from them, but they're not they're not like I, like how it used to be. They're not they're not these guys. Um, these blood and guts champions, you know, the Gotti Awards, like those fights. Go look up those fights. Those are entertaining, brutal fights. And, you know, boxing is a sport where there is no second place. I'm looking forward to doing some of these shows uh, over the fight calendar and, um, you know, bringing you guys some great content. I agree. And I want to thank everybody for taking out a little bit of time. Life is pretty fast these days. Everybody has a lot going on. And so for you to take just a small portion of your day, your week, your month, your year to listen to anything that we do here, it's humbling for me and I know it feels good for you guys too but before we get out a little bit of administrative stuff don't forget to support the Matty Ice Media Network where you can find this guy on the manual and political football every single week you can listen to other shows including Iceman and Coach like my other sneaker podcast Fire Footwear we're going to be bringing you a lot of different content over the next six months boxing amateur wrestling baseball you name it we're trying to give you a menu of content for you to be able to choose things and just decide what you want to watch and how you want to watch it or listen to it so I want to thank everybody again for showing up this week gentlemen it has been a pleasure recording with the two of you and from everybody here at the cornerman this is the cornerman and viewpoints expressed on INC Sports are those of Matt Freights, Brad Powell, and their guests, and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. INC Sports is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and Brad Powell and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.